0: Welcome into All In with Adam, episode. What episode is this? Ten. Ten. You got episode ten. That's a pretty cool one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's Weird. I, mean? I know that before <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> I know. Well, I ended up taking last last week off. It's we're doing. Um, it's we're doing like like varying topics because some of them are a lot harder than others. Like meaning and morality.
1: That one was like exhausting. How There's, long did you have to research for that one? I mean. I mean, I'm sure it's something you're one like, yeah, I was about to say, I'm sure it's something you're already like constantly thinking about all the time. But yeah, there's got to be some type of like, all right, this is what I'm going to prepare. Like, this is how I'm going to go through it.
0: Yeah, that one has to be careful because there's certain and I, I had to like go back and punch in like at least two or three times to be like, oh, I didn't say this thing. And I had to, you know, with the, like with real like technical philosophy I always feel like you have to be very careful because you can't ignore that there's this argument and then there's this argument and it's it's makes it a lot more stressful and this is not I don't look at this as like a stressful project it's pretty yeah pretty laid back yeah but um yeah this would be a cool one too it's it's nice having friends on because a lot of times you know the monologues get uh
1: it's just a lot a lot to sit down and talk for that long you know sure sure well, yeah, man. First, I I would like to just say congrats to you, man. Thanks, you're dude. a hitched uh, up, dude, a married man. How do you feel? Anything Good. different?
0: <laughs> Not well. It this is a weird. Example. You're a husband now, dude. I know you're a is. husband. I know. Well, it's like it's a weird analogy, but like remember on the front the front porch. We have like a high front porch at this house, and there's a I built a fence that goes along the porch, but because the porch was always so high. It, it, nobody notices the fence because it's like it was always supposed to. It was always supposed to have a fence, you know. Mm. And so it looks like it was supposed to be that way. And it's almost—I don't want to say underwhelming, but like it's not as big of a deal as you think because it's how it ought to be. And that's what it feels like to marry somebody you've been with for eight years and own a house with—is like, well, this we could have done this three years ago, and it kind of like we're already doing all the stuff. So it's—it's yeah. it's not like a, li- a title to it. Yeah, just the title and. Boyfriend and girlfriend feels real dumb after eight years. Yeah, it just feels
1: like for sure. You know, but yeah, I mean, just congrats too. I mean, it's uh, it's funny just because what when we met, shit, eight years ago, nine years ago, kind yeah. of around the same time. I think you met Kelly. you It was around that same time. But uh, yeah, uh, you and I met just before six months or a year before yeah. we met Kelly. But yeah, I've seen you go from you know living in a house with three other people, yeah. working at Sam Ash to, yeah. you know, you've got you know you own your own house husband yep. um, husband yard full of chickens and dogs yeah so, man yeah. C- congrats on uh winning at life so far man thanks
0: man yeah <laughs> yeah it's um it's wild yeah we mentioned just the other day i i was looking for older photos of us and kelly and i mentioned that you were at the party where we met you were definitely at that was like wasn't it paul's birthday party it was
1: yeah 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 well, that was a uh... wild house wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy times, for sure. Crazy night. Um, Yeah, yeah, that was that was a fun night. I don't remember too much about it, though. That's yeah, for that's, sure. There were
0: so many similar <laughs> ones.
1: This was like, it wasn't necessarily a party house, but if there was a party, it was
0: at that house. It was a, a very social house, to say the least, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is funny. One thing I remember, I remember about that house and about an early thing in, uh, like in our relationship but an interesting change that you went through this was like years ago was when we were okay so you were dating a girl you've been together a couple years but then when you guys broke up it was interesting because you decided to do like a lot of really cool like healthy changes which is interesting because breakups can go either way like sometimes people just nosedive and do a bunch of (sighs) horrible stupid things like you enter a new party phase or you end up like a hookup phase or you know you re- you rebound super super hard and go down that road but it was interesting because your response to that breakup was like you started working out you, st- you got into like nutrition and fitness you took up tennis like right there were like a yeah. several not, I, quit not all smoking cigarettes. I quit smoking <laughs> cigarettes it was like this big bundle of yeah. like fuck it we're doing something different now I just you know? I feel like
1: I'm I'm lucky to have like, I know a lot of people don't have that aspect, but I feel like I'm lucky to have kind of that perspective on when I go through anything um, shitty in life. Yeah. And I feel like my mindset is like, well, I'm already feeling really bad right now yeah so i might as well make all these other changes on things that i'm not happy with you know that sure uh, just lean in exactly (laughs) like i know i'm gonna feel shitty for the next few months might as well just feel extra shitty for the next few months and come out the other side you know with like uh, uh, you know, because time eventually is going to heal everything, right? Most sure. everything. You Relationship
0: know? stuff especially, right? Time yeah. just fixes it. Makes it, it
1: easier, at least. Um, yeah. So, you know, you're eventually going to come out of that, and, you know, why not come out of that with a handful of other really great things to go yeah. along with it, you know? It's
0: weird that that's like, we've definitely talked about this before, that sometimes that's innate, like you almost can't help it. That's just what happens. But for me, that that's more. it's more of like a learned thing to look at it that way because there's like a like very much like a natural alcoholic like it's e- it's a lot easier to like kick myself while I'm while I'm down that's way like oh shit sucks like huh bet I can fuck it up even worse you know yeah, like yeah. for some reason but it's also like I've talked about this with Kelly before too it's like one little area where she's guilty of doing this that everybody has it like when you feel bad you eat bad food Right, like that sort of thing, where it's like I feel sick. Let me eat some ramen noodle. Like, dude, yeah. that's trash. Like, that's the
1: opposite of the what the short you term. Do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was actually funny. I was actually thinking about that this morning. The uh, the old days where we used to uh, hit the gym every morning. Yeah. I thought about that for some reason when I was getting coffee, and I was like, I just, I remember for some reason. Do you remember when we used to go every morning and we would get coffee before the gym every morning? Yeah, <laughs> Where LA we go? LA Fitness? LA Fitness, four yeah. days a week. <laughs> yeah, um, man. And I just remember getting like the looks from everybody when we brought coffee. And do you remember that?
0: We we would bring hot coffee, yeah.
1: which for some reason is like nobody
0: likes that.
1: We never care. We were like, what the fuck? Everybody wrong thought with it coffee? was like like macchiato, like frappuccino stuff, but we were really just getting black we coffee. We just got black coffee. But people thought we were bringing sugary drinks into the gym. And yeah. That was a weird gym. Remember, yeah. there were,
0: <laughs> I remember one really funny story. Okay. You know those situations where, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about too, where. Um, where somebody says something, and then you think of what would have been the perfect thing to say (laughs) after, and we would have so many funny conversations of, like, after this one time, this guy came up, and he tried to, like, make a, like, a correction to my form that was, like, really not necessary, like, maybe kind of, sort of, from his angle, I could have lifted my elbow a little higher, and I don't know what the exercise was, but it was, like, it was totally unnecessary. It was like, come hey, on, dude. You he was don't like,
1: want anybody doing that
0: to you in the no, gym, period. Unless I'm about to like really fuck myself up. Like, just leave me alone in the gym, you know. Yeah. But, man, I remember whatever he said was something along the lines of like, hey, man, if you do like a little five degree turn here at the top and then you do that, it's like really
1: better <laughs> for you. Like, okay, all right. Just uh, walking around personal training everybody. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) And I remember we had joked after how funny would it have been to say to that guy, like, hey, man, well, while I got you here, you know, an expert right in front of me, like, I have, a, I got a question for you. You know, if you're, like, really feeling it and you're just, like, right in the middle of your exercise and you're just, like, in the fucking zone and then some douchebag walks up and gives you form, like, form advice, like, what do I do in that situation? You
1: know? <laughs> just put him on the spot, make him feel like a complete asshole. yeah. Oh man, but that was our like bodybuilding, I don't to call it a phase, but kind of sorta, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. For two years, I, you know, and I appreciate it too, because that was, um, you know, I felt like you, uh, you know, I think you had gone to the gym for a while with somebody else. You've been in, involved with it for a long time, but that was kind of Didn't my, know. yeah, yeah, that was my first uh, big bout with the gym, you know, our early 20s, and uh Knew really nothing about technique or the machines or anything. We went four or five days a week for two years straight. Yeah. You know, you got me really into it. Uh, You know, helped me with technique, YouTube stuff. And um, ever since then, I've just been going, trying to every week, you know. And I mean, I I, I appreciate that, you know, helping me me get started with all of that. But um, it's also,
0: it taps into that teacher thing, though, where like I learn by talking about it. You know all about that. So it's like, it's enjoyable to to teach in that it makes me have to, like, do I actually know what I'm talking about here? Sometimes you don't. Um, Did you ever find with bodybuilding that... this This is a weird one. But, like, did you ever find that it normalized talking about your body? Because that's not a thing that a lot of men do growing up. But, like, in the bodybuilding world, it is very normal to, like, critique your own body and discuss what you like and don't like about it, which is not really a normal thing that guys are taught to do like we don't really, really normally think about it but like bodybuilding makes you do that sometimes right like do you like the shape of your chest yeah like stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. you know
1: yeah yeah for sure like i don't know just talking about weird stuff or thinking about parts of your body yeah that, <clears throat> you know you would never talk about i don't know we in the gym man i can't remember things we've talked about but it definitely certain times i'd have to stop and be like oh that was Kind of a weird comment. I kind of talked about my ass growing bigger, something yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah, Just something weird like that. I'm like, okay, that was weird, but but it's also not. It's just part of the part. Like if you came to me like, bro, I've
0: really been thinking a lot about my calves recently. It's like it's like not
1: weird, like dude, it, at the bottom of your squat, I'm noticing like a butt wink. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny,
0: man. It's funny, but I, I, I don't know. I I almost enjoy it because it this is that's not the full like correct way to say it but it almost makes you like i want to say more comfortable with your sexuality because it's non-sexual but there is something to like normalizing like you can talk about your body like objectively and just make it what you want it to be and it's 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 totally non-sexual it's not weird it's not gay it's none of those things (laughs) you know it's just uh it is what it is yeah it's a strange
1: part of the fitness world though for sure and you eventually grew out of that right what, bodybuilding? Yeah, are you just lost I mean, interest I, over time. I constantly come back to it, but I mean, it's, so when I started doing that it, for, you know, for, I'd say four or five months, once you get over that initial shock to the body, you know, or it's like every week you're sore. Destroyed. You start accumulating this insane amount of energy during the day where mm-hmm. you're just, you know, especially if you have never worked out consistently like that, I feel like you have this abundance of energy and I was like, you know, I got to put this somewhere, you know? Yeah. And I remember one Saturday we went to Walmart and got tennis rackets. Do you yeah. remember that? And we were like, let's just go play. And we were just like hitting it around and yeah. looking stupid, but <laughs> I don't know, it just stuck. And I started going out every Saturday with, with my roommate Yeah, that evolved to brother Pete. F- yep. Brother Pete. Um, but that ev- evolved to, uh, finding other people to hit with and, eventually got into playing four or five times a week and competing in tournaments and taking lessons and getting, yeah. getting real serious about it. Um, just because, you know, I never could find a form of cardio that, uh, you know, I could consistently do and enjoy. Yeah. And,
0: and treadmills suck.
1: Yeah. Or just running. I'm just not a big fan of running or, you know, anything like that. Um, so this kind of allowed me to get my cardio in, you know, I enjoyed it and I'd be out there for one, two hours every yeah. time, you know, running. Um, but uh, I love to compete, so yeah, yeah, it would really push me anyway. So um, I got into that, and then bodybuilding. I don't know. It was I, I, I like aesthetically kind of what it does for me, sure. But performance-wise, I felt like I needed something more to kind of enhance my performance out on the court. So I kind of switched over to CrossFit for a while. Um, which I loved a lot just because it's, it's a social aspect to it. There's a competition aspect to it. So yeah. it would help push me a little bit. Um, a little
0: more structured, too. You don't have to make
1: everything up all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it, you have a kind of a personal trainer, which I guess it depends on your gym, how good your personal trainer is there. Um, you made friends with the guy. Yeah.
0: Were you student's yep. dad kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I, I traded personal training sessions for teaching his daughter for a while. That's so sick um, when that stuff happens, isn't it? Yeah, it was cool. So I got one-on-one sessions with him. Plus, he was—you know—he would walk around the gym during CrossFit and kind of mm-hmm. help people out with their form and stuff. Really he was knowledgeable huge guy, too, wouldn't he? Yeah, he was like yeah. a beast of a dude. Yeah, really great guy. I mean, the only con to that is just just expensive, you know. I mean, it was like one hundred and eighty a month. Yeah, that's pretty high, given that you can jump around your backyard for free. And- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, I eventually, I mean, I'm kind of back into doing the bodybuilding, kind of into doing yoga. I'm doing some knee rehab now because tennis, doing tennis five days a week for years. Yeah. The pounding on the concrete, the stopping, the turning. Do you feel like you did anything wrong in tennis or is it just
0: that... Like we're thirty plus, and that's a lot of jumping and turning. And pounding. tennis is
1: like—I mean, it's it uh, knee injuries are very common in tennis, yeah, yeah. especially if you play kind of like I do, where I'm a very much a—they call him a grinder. Okay, They're just kind of in the back of the court grinding it out, running like gotcha. Like you don't really like to end points very quick. You're a defensive player. You're just kind of running all over the place. Uh, gotcha. Counter striking kind of and know? A
0: more so that's like a more active. Play style
1: yeah because there's some players who will you know they'll hit more aggressive and set up a shot to where they can run up to the net in the in the point really quick gotcha you know i'm kind of more like i was saying just kind of grind it out sure you know obviously try to get aggressive when i can but um i mainly rely on my counter striking and running ability um so that's put, not good on the knees. Puts the miles on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but not good on the knees, you know. So most players who are like that kind of end up having problems with their knees. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, I don't know, man. It's just it started where my knee was hurting the day after I'd play, and then it started getting where it would hurt right after, and now it's gotten to where it hurts during tennis. During, so, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's something I gotta I gotta address before I get older, and so I'm. Starting to take rehab kind of serious. Starting to do yeah some yoga and some uh I, call, I guess they call them kneehab yeah, sessions. Of course, yeah, and then I got a physical therapist. I'm gonna start seeing soon. So that's cool.
0: It it, it does suck to have to think about this shit, doesn't it? Yeah, it
1: sucks. Right Getting where your in thirties injuries. Uh... But I feel like thirties are that time where it's like, all right, you got to address it now because when you get in your forties, your fifties, yeah. You know, it's permanent or like surgery, you know? Yeah. At this point, we can do physical therapy and things to, I guess, sure, help sure. certain you problems like that. We still
0: know? have some recovery ability, yeah. It's, it's just fascinating, though, because I remember, I remember growing up skateboarding and quite literally jumping off of staircases... 20 30 times a day maybe a hundred times a day i don't know i mean that was like the whole plan for the day saturday what are we doing jumping down staircase right i mean all day yeah. shit i wouldn't do it once now i wouldn't do that one time <laughs> for fear of getting injured and that was my whole day yep. growing or the whole weekend you know and even like just getting absolutely demolished like big swollen knees and twisted ankles and cuts and bruises and i got stitches and broken bones and all sorts of injuries just all fine turned out fine you just heal up just it's just weird how kids have this ability I don't know they're just like in so many ways tougher than adults where I feel I feel more fragile now yeah you know where it's like if something breaks it might it might stay broken that's what could happen you know yep. it's very weird to to make peace with that in your head
1: <clears throat> yeah it's weird this whole year it's been kind of me realizing that with my knee um yeah my you know I telling you, my teeth my got, like, <laughs> you know, kind of slacked on the dentist the past few years. Got yeah. a whole bunch of stuff I got to catch up on with that. Um, it's weird, man. My hands, like, have been getting weird things, like uh, my thumb on my phone, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the slider phone. I'm like, oh, what is this ache in my thumb? And then certain things with guitar, man, recently, I don't know. It's It's been really weird. It's uh, past, like, six months have been... So with students when i um when I go around to students, I have to bring my acoustic guitar because I don't really want to lug around my electric and my amp and, and all of that ant, yeah you know? everything, yeah, so on acoustics you know the the strings are thicker they're they're bigger gauges mm-hmm. you know um so more uh,
0: pressing more muscles in your hand well
1: yeah the strings are just bigger they're harder to manipulate but the bigger the string the bigger the tone An acoustic guitar you know you're mainly strumming or plucking you're not manipulating the strings very much like an electric guitar you would You'd bend a lot you would bend or do vibratos yeah. and stuff um Problem is though a lot of my students are electric guitarists and we'll be going through bending exercises and so I'll sit there and bend on these bend on an heavy acoustic. Yeah. Doing that for 5 or 6 years man has really been wear and tear. I, uh, Interesting. just got a lot of wear and tear on my couple of my fingers and I'm really starting to feel these aches in my fingers that Yeah. I, like feel like they're in the bone almost. It's like kind of scary. Weird. Where I'd like have to completely stop bending on my acoustic guitar now. Um yeah, that's an unnatural motion
0: to like press and bend with your hand. I could see that being just a weird type of muscle use, you know?
1: Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. It's it's also the past few weeks I've been noticing huge gains in speed. So I don't know if it's like a muscle that is sore that's like healing back and I'm going to get like faster uh. now. That's something. an interesting one, yeah. yeah it's yeah. strange. I'd like for if there are other guitarists out there, I'd like to see if anybody else has had anything like this. You know? Yeah. It'd be cool to if anybody listens to this ever had something like that happen.
0: Yeah. It well it's it's always weird because especially playing music, you know, like like hands are this scary little category. Like a you a cut can mess you up for weeks and weeks a tiny little thing like a broken finger could mess you up for and it's really not that different for drums you know same sort of thing a broken finger a sprained wrist is like yeah that's a huge deal it almost feels how most people feel about like your eyes or your spine or like something that is like not okay if this gets messed up like that's what it feels like with hands
1: yeah i remember we got a punching bag at the old house we lived in and i talked to you about like well, you know, have you ever thought about getting into fighting or boxing? And you're like, yeah, man, it's the only thing is my hand. Like you've thought about doing judo, uh, right? jiu jiu-jitsu. jiu-jitsu, yeah. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, and
0: yeah, and bo- boxing too. I've done a little boxing growing up, but I, I've, I've never, yeah, I never allowed myself to get fully into it. Um, yeah, just because <laughs> wrists, elbows, and even, you know, with jiu-jitsu is kind of all your joints, right? All that stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's... Um, I just I can't imagine how much I would hate myself if a hobby ruined my music career. You know, yeah. could you imagine, you know, yeah. or just like if you tripped during tennis and you snapped one of your fingers back, like you'd you would hate a part of yourself and be like, why in the fuck did I have to do this? Like, I, I couldn't know. have just done something different and protected the thing I care about, you know? yeah, it's frustrating. It's one of those things that makes me wish I had. I mean, I guess I uh, wish that I lived longer, wish that you could do multiple lives, you know, because in another life I would have tried it another way, you know, yeah. either taken the risk or said, screw music in
1: this one. We're going another <laughs> route.
0: We're going athletics or, yep. you know.
1: Yep, But, yeah, I feel like that's, um, I don't know, uh, I feel like all those exercise for my knee will help, but I, I feel like diet, too, has a lot to do with it, too. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like getting on some type of, anti inflammatory diet would help. Sure. Less carbs. You know.
0: And so we've we talked about this in the other podcast we did for Orlando Drummer, but we just briefly mentioned it here. We probably didn't go all the way into it. But just a couple of days ago was the one year carnivore anniversary. Did where, we talk about that? I can't remember. I don't think we did. Maybe we did it not recording actually. Yeah. Um so it was yeah, it was March first of last year, twenty twenty. We both went on carnivore diet and you did it for a month.
1: you know on I, like a year now. I'm still on it. Yeah.
0: It's been a full <laughs> it's been a full year um but I'm, I'm curious like what have you like what did you learn from that and what did you end up like settling on long term because i i do remember Sorry, might be a slightly oversharing, but you had a problem with like um like sweating glands that you you found out through that were very tied to sugar remember that right
1: um i think so or yeah sugar
0: impacted it a ton for some reason
1: well i'm just i sweat ridiculous amounts anyway um I mean, You do sweat a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been told, like I was saying at, at, at CrossFit, the, the, my personal trainer even told me, like, dude, you sweat more than anybody <laughs> I've seen here. And <laughs> you he's, you know, I'm mom, sure he's seen hundreds of people. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, like, lay down after an exercise and get up, and it's like a sweat angel on the floor. <laughs> um, but, <clears throat> yeah, I think what I was having problems with was if I went over to students' houses, you know, and they just had it, like, slightly warm, I'd just start yep. sweating through my clothes. Um, but yeah, I felt like when I uh, when I was on carnivore, it kind of definitely decreased that a lot. Interesting, <clears throat> isn't it? Yeah, but man, that was a very interesting diet to go on. Just uh, I remember the craziest thing was the big spurts of energy you get after eating meat. You get it's almost like high,
0: isn't it? It's so fucking weird. It's like one of the most un believable parts of it that you like I hesitate to tell people because it sounds made up yeah. I remember telling Kelly like Joe had the same thing like euphoria after eating steak yeah like how little sense does that make it like some reward system from like a hunter-gatherer type deal or I mean more the hunter yeah type thing very yeah. strange like you get like you're <sighs> yeah you <sighs> get like a weird like a physical <laughs> reaction noticeable reaction after eating meat it's yeah very very strange man but but so i remember though you didn't have that same like kratom level energy that i had i was like high no well you're, i think
1: what what was different the the main difference between ours was the the sleep thing where you woke up like quiet, and yeah. i woke up very sluggish but when i came around i was very balanced the whole day yeah you no know? ups but and downs it, it was this weird sluggishness when right when i got up which was def- definitely different than i feel like what you said yours was
0: yeah yeah mine that one of the weirdest ones was only six hours sleep I, I cannot sleep a minute longer i just pop up after six hours which i should say the reason i love that so much is because i like to do the math over a month and like okay how much like life did i gain from not sleeping, you know, an extra hour and a half every night. And you can do this math over a year. It's like several days in a year that you like add to your. I'm sure like weeks, man. Yeah. Yeah. And you span that over 20 years or something, if you could do it for 20 years. But
1: yeah, it's. That's what I'm curious about with you is to find out if it's something that. You can't, like, how long do you expect to do this for? Is it good for your body to do it long-term? Because anything I've heard about carnivore is that it's considered an elimination diet, right? You're just supposed to be on it a short time and then start introducing things.
0: Yeah, the the introducing thing is is where it gets tough because I have attempted to eat certain vegetables over the last year. And it's almost the same every time where it's just is super bloated super sluggish a little bit of back pain comes back like I feel the inflammation come back part of it is because you're just not used to eating that thing it's not that vegetables give you inflammation necessarily but it is weird how reactive you get it turns you into like like and I've used this word before like a dietary pussy like you can't handle anything <laughs> anything you know it I, I'm I'm like fearful of a lot of <laughs> foods because it will uh, I know how I react. If I take a bite of this apple, I will have diarrhea for three days. Like yeah. that's what happens when I eat a bite of an apple. Now, yeah, you know it's it's weird. I tried it. I tried a bite of an apple. That's what happened. You know, <laughs> it sucks. You know, um, but I want to get blood work done done yeah. pretty soon because it has been a year. I think we've talked about this before because you have. Some guitar students whose parents are doctors, right? And and it's interesting what they know and what they don't. Very surprising. No, it's surprising. Sometimes. You really
1: view doctors kind of as this
0: holy grail of of health. Yeah, like yeah. they
1: shouldn't like they know everything about health. And I think I was telling you the other day. You know, is <clears throat> you know, it's one of the my students' parents that's a very prolific doctor. At least it seems like with the the size of the house and the cars in the driveway, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> gate, side. the gate you have to drive through and the fountain you have to drive around, you That's know? a good way to size them up, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like drinking Diet Coke and then uh, we get in a conversation about soda and they're not even sure the name of the, what the type of fake. Sweetener. Artificial sweetener that's in it. I'm like, you mean aspartame? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. They well, say that's not good for you. But they say you are they. You are the, you are who, <laughs> you're the they, you're, dude. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, so, but I, I guess you forget that that some of you know, they're specialists, like a a, a neurosurgeon. Yeah. You know. I feel like concentrates that one sector. They're probably not taught too much about diet and health, right?
0: Yeah, and I think so, people like us who learn about nutrition for mostly podcasting, right, or books, It we end up being closer to like a jack-of-all-trades where we're probably not an expert in, in any of this yeah. stuff. We don't yeah. have a medical degree yeah. in anything, but we, you do kind of learn the whole spectrum, like a little bit about neuropsychology, a good amount about diet and fitness and nutrition, and kind of I think we would be like year two like general practitioner med <laughs> students right I mean that, that's how I feel some sometimes you know it's it's I, I would imagine both of us have earned our associate's degree metaphorically <laughs> through I mean how many hundreds of hours of podcasts can you listen to before you're uh, you know you're around that sort of level of, of knowledge yeah yeah it's it's interesting though with this carnivore thing doing doing blood work I'm definitely fearful that if I were to go to the wrong doctor that I would have really uncomfortable, like uninformed conversations with somebody who has who knows nothing about this, right? And they would say like You're an idiot. Go eat some bread because that's what this food pyramid says."
1: And it's like I I don't even want to entertain that conversation, you know? Isn't there a type of doctor? Forgot what they call them. There's a type of doctor that, like, some sort of specialist? Uh, no, it's it's I uh, can't remember what you call it. It's a type <laughs> of doctor that'll give you. You know, like, try to figure out, like, instead of giving you medicine, what is the cause of this hurting, and then we'll root back to the... Uh,
0: that should be all of them, is what it should be, right? There's
1: there's a name for it, and I can't think of it, but anyway, um, yeah, I wish, like you were saying, I wish that was all of them, you know? Yeah. It's
0: frustrating, man. I mean, I remember one time, <clears throat> it's a weird story, but this was several years ago. I went to this doctor to get a prescription refilled of Xanax. And I don't take Xanax often at all. It was it was just for travel, very low dose, had had it for years. You know, it was just never a problematic drug for me at all. I would oftentimes go months and months without even taking it, you know, and just have a, a very small prescription that was like for when I traveled. Yeah. I went to get one re- refilled and the doctor I had been going to, for years, I mean, I saw this woman like like once a year. You know, I didn't. She wasn't like some close doctor or anything, but she had actually moved out of state, and I had no idea. So they looked, hooked me up with this other doctor, and the doctor was like, very, what's the word? Like distrusted me from the beginning because I was young and it was Xanax. Something must be wrong here. Yeah. And so I tried to tell her like listen, the type of anxiety I have is depersonalization and derealization. And I know that because of this, you know, and as I begin to explain what I know about myself, she would cut me off and go, how How do you know that? How do you know? Almost like I'm not allowed to know, like I, I don't have the authority to say any of this stuff. And I'm yeah. like, bitch, I read every book that's ever been written on this. Th- I've literally read every single one of them. There's only five of them and I read them all, you know? a hundred plus hours of podcasts on this specific topic. And I like, I'm you not don't allowed have a degree, to agree s- dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's really, really frustrating sometimes. And uh, it's, it's as I've gotten older, it's made me more hesitant to go to doctors. Cause I've learned how fallible they are, you know?
1: <laughs> no, it's weird. I know we've talked about this before. Um, but we kind of both get the same thing with traveling. It's like, uh, I don't know. I feel like whenever I get back and I think about, my previous travel it just feels like a dream yeah like I wasn't really there
0: yeah like you you derealize or depersonalize in the anxious state of traveling yeah. as you're traveling it's like you're not there
1: yeah it's interesting but yeah we're kind of talking about I don't know it, it, you can edit this out if you want but I yeah. thought this was interesting yeah, I, you're saw, fine. I saw this earlier um you ever remember master classes you know the master class app right it's like yeah, oh, the- Hans Zimmer teaches film scoring sure sure so one of the creators of that created this thing called Outlier. Have you okay. seen anything about this? I know the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. So well, no, this this is this company. It's called Outlier. It's like uh, it's like MasterClass. Okay. But it's like different people teach different subjects, kind of okay. like MasterClass, but they're accredited college. Whoa. They, so okay. it's like such and such teaches astrophysics. Okay, And then if you watch that and you complete the course and everything, it's like, it counts as a college credit.
0: Interesting.
1: Which I think would be pretty cool to, do they have that with YouTube? Like YouTube U University or something where you can like. I don't think any of
0: that's accredited, but I'm, I know that that stuff is discussed a lot about like, should there be some sort of accreditation system in place? Because in theory, you and I very likely have the same amount of knowledge as someone with an associate's degree in like nutrition, for example, I think I do. I really think I do. I mean, how many hundreds of hours can you listen to until you should, you know, have yeah. something to say that you learned this stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. But I think that's interesting because you know, that's how a lot of people are, are learning nowadays. Yeah. You know, it's through podcasts and YouTube. and Yeah.
0: And it's devalued like universities in general. You know, I used to think it was, it was more of like a music industry thing that you don't need to go to school because no one's going to ask for that piece of paper necessarily. And you need the piece of paper for some stuff. Like I'm not interested in going to a doctor or a lawyer who listened to a bunch of podcasts and, you know, like, of course you have to have standards depending on the field. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like that bubble (laughs) is, is expanding of like the fields where (laughs) it doesn't really matter. You know, nobody's asking for that piece of paper anymore, you know, and. So I, don't, I don't want to say some of the experts but like some of the most knowledgeable people are just talking on YouTube for free you know it's uh it's amazing it's amazing
1: you imagine about to go in for open heart surgery I guess like don't worry dude <laughs> <laughs> I learned this from Dr. Jane's YouTube channel <laughs> <laughs> she's the best dude she's the best <laughs>
0: over 1 million subscribers don't worry dude yeah well it's it's funny though because the music industry and the drum industry, like where, you know, I have no doubt that there are certain people who have watched my videos and then they sign up on the site and they learned enough stuff that they can take that and they go out into the world and they make money as a successful, you know, musician, right? But they have no... I don't have any accreditation to share with them. I don't have a degree in in drums or music performance at all. This is all just sharing of information. It's just transactional stuff, but there's no like markers along the way where they could say, well, hey man, I've been a member of OrlandoDrummer.com for three years and so that's worth something. It never even comes up. It's just a non, it's a non-issue. But this is all in the arts, yeah. And people tend to not ever really ask for degrees in the arts. But I you think know? that's
1: leaking over to business too, man. Yeah, you totally. Hear Gary Vee and people talking about that, like, uh, you know, most of them don't hire based on, yeah, you know, a piece of paper that you have, you know. Yeah, yeah. It just it never it's
0: never once come up in the music industry, any part of the music industry, even. Even reaching out into like videography or into uh, mixing and engineering, composition. Mm -hmm. Like when you will never have that conversation of, uh, well, where did you go to school? It's just, I don't know what those worlds are like, but they're not, I've never touched them, you know?
1: Yeah. And then people who, people who do go to like a, like, famous schools like berkeley are usually the ones to throw that out first right like hey what's up i went to berkeley college of music like yeah. they throw that out as opposed to somebody else asking yeah yeah well because the next question is like okay dope but can you play but like what have you done can i see what you've done yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
0: and if if you find out someone can play and they didn't go to berkeley it's even more impressive yeah right it's Real. yeah
1: yeah what do you guys been watching lately as we usually kind of update each other on Watching good on uh, Netflix to watch—that's our escapism.
0: We watched, um, a go- yeah. You're always one of our. Kelly asked me all the time. She's like, "Joe, say anything." <laughs> You've Definitely given us some some good ones, um, Netflix shows or whatever. But we're watching. Um, it's called Lupine or Lupine. Oh yeah. Did you watch that? Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, oh, that was pretty good. It's interesting. French show dubbed over, but they dubbed it well. It's it's easier to forget. I'm happy they're starting to bring in a lot of foreign stuff. Yeah, there's some some good ones. I like it a lot. It's um. I don't like how hard they went in the spy composition yeah. direction like the spy music wasn't totally necessary in some yeah. of the parts like it feels very like 96 mission impossible vibe sometimes Isn't
1: isn't that like a famous um it's like a famous like folktale, like French folk story, right? About he, l- he was inspired he, he was, by the main character. He's like, a, is there? It's a true story, right? He's like a, supposed to be a famous thief, or yeah. like
0: inspired by. But like a weird cross of like a mentalist versus a magician, yeah, versus a con artist, like yeah. some weird combination of that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting because there there's a lot of reality to that stuff. I mean, that, a lot of those like mentalists that had those shows are just like like high level social performers that are excellent at getting cues and stuff. And there's some like weird powerful appeal to that. Like yeah. if you got good at that, you could like
1: control the world or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's cool. Um, yeah, it's a good show. What are you, I, what are you watching? Um, Man, I've been on a movie kick for a while. It's not okay. really. Um, Series. It's hard for me to do a series recently besides The Servant, M. Night Shyamalan's The Servant, me and, uh, my girlfriend watched that every Friday. Okay. But I did watch Nomadland last night. Um *Nomad*, Have you heard Land. of that? No. Well, it, it won Best Picture at Golden Globes. I'm sure it's going to win the Oscar. Okay. Um, insane. Just deep movie. I didn't really even expect to talk about this today. Okay. Um, but really cool just kind of view and like the – well, the whole story is about this small town that uh, this factory – uh, gets shut down and like the whole zip code gets basically, uh, like everybody's out of work, you know, and it's just about this lady that lives out of her van and, and takes up the nomad life and just lives out of her van and you know, uh, her husband recently died. So it's just her kind of traveling around and doing the nomad thing, living out of her van and kind of, uh, just that whole life. Yeah. So it was super powerful. Um, So, I'd recommend that one to anybody. So, one movie I did actually watch recently, um, I think you would enjoy a lot, um, is this this movie called uh, Beautiful Boy. Beautiful Boy. It's got uh, Steve Carell in it, (laughs) uh, which, I mean, he's been in a lot of dramas recently, so hopefully you wouldn't think it'd be a comedy just from hearing Steve Carell. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's about his, um, so they're like a middle class family and, you know, he has a son... um, and this is teenage son who gets addicted to drugs, um, just pretty much all of them under the sun. Okay. And just his, I felt like it was a very realistic portrayal of addiction, sure, and and how it affects his family. And Steve Curl's the dad. Yeah, Steve Curl's the dad and like very loving father. Um, Middle-class white family, you know? So he's very caught off guard, I take it. Yeah, yeah. And th- and they have a very close relationship, too. Him and his son, very close, you know? And his son, it's... You know, he'll get... He'll go to rehab and get better and then relapse. And this happens six or seven times in the movie. You yeah. think, oh, man, he's... that. This is it. He's He's been... Out for two years, he works at a rehab center. Then all of a sudden, just one day, boom, yep, relapses Happens. and go, goes back in. I mean, it has a happy ending where you know he, he's it's a true story. It's about a true guy, and okay. actually, the um, the guy that it's about actually wrote the book that the movie is about. Okay, um, it's kind of his autobiography, but he's been sober for like eleven years. Yeah, so kind of a happy ending. But uh, I know we've talked about just kind of like. A lot of movies and shows portray addiction in this weird way. Yeah. In a different way, you know. Um, They dramatize it a little bit, you know. Sometimes they do. And and it can be done right, right. Where there's... Wolf of Wall Street is
0: always in my top three because of how insanely accurate it is like that's a little more of like the coke world and like the raging euphoria kinda. that new
1: episode of euphoria we talked about remember? yeah euphoria is a really good one
0: where yeah there's a lot of like truths built into the dialogues that they have the script and the writing and stuff they yeah. they hit on some like really really major um like philosophical truths that that are discussed in rehab but it's hard to make them entertaining you know like, yeah. there was one line from that, that um, dialogue. Euphoria was a, was a very interesting show, but there's a, um, that weird random sort of one-off episode Special they threw out. Special bonus
1: episode. Yeah. yeah, and
0: it's like a conversation at a diner between a, a young girl who has an addiction problem and then her, um, like, AA sponsor, yeah. right? And I remember he had one line in there which uh, said, like, the, the plight of all humans, like, the struggle of, of every man is is to align yourself with your own values, that that seems to be universal. Like the values could change from person to person, but aligning yourself with your own values is like something that we all struggle to do, right? It's like innate, you know, like certain things like that, where it's like those are those little truth nuggets that you uncover in a place like rehab. But man, it's hard to write that in to an entertaining modern show cuz something like Wolf of Wall Street sells way better right yeah. it's just people getting fucked up yeah, but yeah. there yeah there's there's a, a lot a lot heavier stuff under the surface
1: for sure yeah it was it's just a kind of cool uh portrayal of kind of what it did to his family you know um, Yeah, cuz i mean i mean i have a, a cousin you know i i have very very faint memories when i was young of her um and i you know she got involved you know with like meth, you know, meth, and then yeah. you had the kind of same thing. She'd relapse. They would take her into rehab. She'd be good for a year, relapse. Yep. And then eventually she got where she, she just like started hitchhiking around yeah. and then we just haven't seen her again. Man, dude, dark. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: meth is a tricky one, right? Because it's, um, it's highly functional. It's, it's more functional than even Coke or a lot of other stimulants because you, it's compatible with your work uh, you know more than likely whatever you do you would do a better job on meth for at least a certain period of time <laughs> you know eventually this fucks your life up but it's you know it's like how come you take tests better on Adderall's because it fucking works it works really well and those are those are quite literally the same drug you know Adderall is
1: uh, amphetamine right
0: yeah it's an amphetamine. Yep, it's just Man, a. That's my. It's just the dumbed down version of meth. It's not crystal, but it's... I
1: will forever miss Adderall. That is like my. Yeah, my drug of choice that I would. Adderall.
0: See, Adderall gave me anxiety. Always has. Always. You never had that. Mm-mm. But methylone, which we can talk about a little bit, that that never did. Right, which is a weird hybrid drug between uh, methamphetamine and MDMA. Yeah, it is as cool as it sounds. <laughs> you know, that that one never freaked me out, even though it's like it's very methy. I mean, it is as speedy as it gets, right? But an Adderall pill, they always freaked me out. But most people aren't like that. I mean, I remember this was years and years ago. And what you call
1: the methylone, You call that Molly,
0: right? Well, Molly's a slang word. When people say Molly, they normally mean like an E pill, and. That they just w- mix in whatever yes and with, it's with with e exactly it's just got all sorts of stuff plus mdma but people don't realize mdma is actually very sleepy and sleepy might not be the wrong but might be the wrong word but it's it's a sluggish heavy not super energetic kind of drug so when you think about doing mdma at like a rave type of setting which i hate that that was never what our group did you know we were never like ravers um you know, those pills very oftentimes will have some sort of amphetamine in them because it it really helps the experience. It gives you energy because MDMA, you can almost fall asleep on like a really heavy roll sometimes, not as enjoyable as you might think. But meth which, you know, I have a lot of experience. I, I'm planning on doing a podcast about meth alone. Um, definitely. I'd put that as my top favorite like drug
1: drug but it's, it's very speedy very let me speedy. preface this too by saying this was a while ago like yes, we're this talking is 10 like, years. <laughs> this is like you know when you say when somebody asks kind of like you experimented back in your day right this is my back in the day Sure, you know it'll be sure, experimenting sure. you know but yeah. um we didn't know we were taking that then
0: we didn't we know much it. about
1: it yeah like we, we thought we were taking molly molly that was the slang
0: word we didn't really define it and yeah, the first time that I ever took it, I'm sure you too, that was
1: the most descriptive anybody got. It's Molly. Yeah. And it's a, that's a, what I thought I was taking the whole time. Yeah. I didn't know. It. I mean, if, if somebody had said, you're taking methylene, I would have been like,
0: shit. Well, if they had explained this is a hybrid between yeah. an amphetamine yeah. and But this, and, is and and why, DNA. this is,
1: you know, why, like, that's why drug experience is important. Yeah. You learn, you learn to ask the right experience questions. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just know what you're taking. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, first time I took it, I didn't feel anything. Second time I took it, didn't feel anything. You've had that with a lot of drugs, right? I I feel like, um, like Kratom. Well, my tolerance is very high on anything. Yeah. You always had to
0: take much more. Remember on, on Kratom, like just a weird example, um, which I took for back pain years ago. I don't take Kratom anymore, but but I did for a stretch there. I would tell you, like, listen, man, if I take more than two <laughs> yeah. or three grams, I'm like hugging the toilet, like, you got to be careful. <laughs> and you had to take
1: like seven or eight grams before dude. you're
0: like, I kind of feel it's like coffee, right? <laughs> but,
1: man, I remember when I had um, two years ago, do you remember when I had that root canal? Yeah. But, like, <laughs> dude, it, it started hurting uh, at around like seven it was 7 o'clock at night, and I couldn't get into the dentist till the next day, and I was just in agony. Agony. Yeah. And I was like, I called you, like, do you have anything? You're like, dude, all I have is Kratom. Kratom, dude, Yeah, You brought that shit over, though, and, like, I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain, walk over to my kitchen, and, like, just grab a whole, like, yep. you know, a whole pouch just of a it a and just shove it. it on my gum. <laughs> just uh, dipping it. <laughs> and then the pain would go away, and I'd go back to sleep for 20 minutes and wake up. yeah pain but yeah i remember because there's different types of kratom right it's like yeah some, some will get you sleepy some will more energetic, more energetic some are a lot yeah. like
0: adderall like white veins yeah, yeah they're very it'll give you anxiety you can yeah. very speedy and crazy
1: but yeah so yeah i feel like my talent so the first two times i took it yeah it didn't feel anything but yeah i remember the third time was at that party you were talking about earlier at yeah 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 what was it Paul's birthday I think it was Paul's birthday party so that was and the first like, time you ever like cracked through well because you were like you haven't been feeling it man just take two the double up yeah and I remember the. You,
0: I don't remember you ever snorting it you never
1: did that no way dude no gotcha no, no, no. gotcha
0: that was my preference it was, <laughs> it was a, it's, a, it's a different high it's very different
1: you know but I remember coming up to you when it hit and just grabbing you by the shoulder just hey, dude. Just doing this little shake of my head like <laughs> <laughs> okay okay <laughs> <laughs> but Man. the funniest story about that whole night was that like, you know, you have to have a mission on it, you know? Yes. And there was like 50 people there. And I remember taking a picture of me, you and Joe, other Joe. Other Joe. Yeah. And, uh, I walked around <laughs> to everybody in that party and was like asking them for a hashtag on one. Like, what would you hashtag on this photo? Yeah. Go ahead and type it in. Type it in. <laughs> And then I had everybody in that damn party type in a hashtag and it was the dumbest stuff. (laughs) It was a
0: stupid mission. (laughs) Dude, and when
1: I got done, I made it like a big deal to everybody. Send in it. I'm you know, go like this photo, I'm submitting it. Right when I hit the post (laughs) it, it said like too many hashtags must delete. (laughs) No it's like so I was so pissed. Oh, it does put you on a mission.
0: Like you get obsessed with something, which is definitely like the methy quality. But I I knew everybody
1: at that party. Everybody yeah. knew who I was. I had, I had an icebreaker with everybody.
0: Yeah. The social confidence part is one of the most peculiar. You It will turn everybody into a genuine extrovert. You are like charged 100%. up to talk to people. It's so crazy. And it's also weird because you don't appear like you're on drugs to other people. It's not like you're... Derp and You're just so a really hard. confident guy. You're just a super, super confident, confident dude. It's weird. And Kelly knows some of these stories, but like there were, you know, we were, I, I was definitely single for the first big chunk that that um, our group was sort of doing this. Um, meth alone, we were going downtown and going to bars. Still didn't drink, you know, back then at all. But like talking to girls was weirdly easy. It like so easy. It's like everything you say lands, you're not awkward. There's
1: no awkwardness and even stuff that you don't think would work. You can, it does work. Yeah. It's, you can it's say weird. it with hundred percent confidence and that and like shines every, through yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. Anything you say is going to be,
0: remember we had that game or I think Paul might've made it up where you would take your <laughs> phone and open the, like, like to the screen where you just dial a number. And you would just hand it to a girl and be like, put your number in here, which in theory should work like one out of 10 times. Like you haven't even introduced yourself like this is dumb, but you're just like exuding this level of confidence where it actually worked. It was very, but very But you remember when it
1: got to where it was like, let's do it to like and see what the amount, the least amount of work we can do to get to get the number. So it was like <laughs> yeah. you could you could not just see, not even saying, you know, just. Hand him the phone. <laughs> you put your really? What if my we phone? just don't talk and just <laughs> yeah. hand your phone? <laughs> <laughs> or just like say a few words and just, you want me to put my number in your phone? And just be like, yeah. Isn't that weird, man? Oh, it's strange. Yeah. You know, I, I, have, I have a buddy. I don't want to, well,
0: uh, yeah, I don't know if, if I want to say his name necessarily. I'll leave it out just to be respectful. But he didn't do it very often. He lives in Georgia. And he came down one random weekend just to hang out. And we had, we were doing that. And... Um, you weren't there It was really just me him and one other person i think and he did it right before he went to go get on the flight um to flight flight home and he got bumped up to first class like randomly and there's like four or five people in first class and he has no experience with this drug but he just knows that he's like very extroverted very confident and somehow this all the everything you say like is believable to people right yeah and he had, I mean, I know this person well enough to know that he would not fabricate this story at all. He just wouldn't give a shit enough to even do that. But he became like the life of the party in first class. Where like, like he he created like a fucking social circle in this plane, and he like he's sitting around telling jokes and having drinks with strangers, and everyone's crowding around certain seats and yep. telling stories, and it all revolved around him and this weird confidence that he had, and then when he got off the plane, he wasn't really rolling by the time he landed. We say rolling but it's not really rolling it, it's very unique and he called me and was like dude i don't know what just happened he's like that was the weirdest plane ride of my life he's <laughs> like i made so many friends and yeah. told my life story to a bunch of yeah. people like people were crying and laughing and like it's it's
1: really weird man the knights like take these shapes that they never would take otherwise I anytime i ever took that with anybody i met like so a, a lifelong people. friend. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know. Do you remember Peer Review Sunday?
1: No. We, <laughs> you might, yell, okay, you <laughs> might. Oh, I do remember this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you,
0: you might. It might have been just the roommate. Peer thing. Review Sunday. Peer <laughs> Review Sunday, <laughs> where we would on Sundays the plan. We this only happened a few times, but the idea was just fucking gold. Where we, yeah we would sit around and if you were on methylone, you could. We didn't call it methylone at the time. We called it derp was what we called it a lot because <laughs> it would just make you dirt But how long would you say this period of time was? Um, it depends of like, like for me personally, early 2013, like January 2013 until like the middle of 2014. Okay. Year and a half. Yeah. Right around there. And, and uh, it
1: wasn't like an everyday thing.
0: Well, depends on who in the group you were talking about. You certainly sure. did
1: it far, far less. Than like, the core group. And I remember, for me, it was definitely, like, a three- or four-month thing. It wasn't... It was a lot shorter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, because it it got... Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said that there weren't, like, dark times, because we had one friend in particular who, I won't say his name, but he he really fucked himself up on it. You know, people had different reactions to it, and, you know, like, some people would get quiet on it, and some people would get talkative. Like, you know, the random people that would like behave totally different personality changes sometimes like yeah. it and and some people handled it better than others but yeah there was there was definitely some dark times in that whole period um where we would all collectively kind of be like that got weird like we're doing you know what yeah. i mean it's 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 not all fun and games sometimes but you also were somewhat removed from that group because there was a core group of us that lived um, we're all roommates yeah. at that one mm-hmm. house and so we definitely did it more than More than other people. But But yeah, sorry I interrupted you about Peer Review Sunday. Peer Review Sunday. Yeah. Well, it was just, we would all take, uh, the plan was, again, it only happened a couple times, but we would take it and then we would sit around and like review each other like in the context of that week. So like, hey man, you did the dishes on Sunday and I wanted you to know that I really appreciate when you did the dishes, bro, because you didn't have to do that. Like some of those were my dishes, bro, and I understand, so I just want you to know. And then like if there was something they could improve upon,
1: it's just, it like opens up it's such a healthy thing to do though that's the thing it's a really
0: healthy thing to do and it makes you you can't get your feelings hurt on this drug at all so mm-hmm. you're super receptive super open and you're also really you're like weirdly capable of giving people the benefit of the doubt so if somebody says like hey man i'm, I'm mad that you did this thing all of your defensive reactions don't come out it's more like Oh my gosh, dude, I'm so sorry. I don't want you to feel that way. What can yeah. I do? Like and you fucking mean it. Like yeah. you mean it in yeah. a weird, weird way. And so we <laughs> did have some uh but it's also this gets a little I have I've teared up telling this part before. I have had conversations with friends in the backyard of that that house where we would say things to each other that we genuinely meant. In terms of like like how we feel about each other as friends, how we value each other, you know, w- what you love about this person, things that you probably wouldn't say sober, yeah, you know, and it's not, it's not a lie. It's almost like more true in a weird way. That drug it just makes
1: you more vulnerable, vulner, vulnerable, way more vulnerable for sure, and but, okay to share things like that. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, you let your guard down, man, and it's, it's all kind of in line with like what MDMA was invented for which is is a fascinating premise but you know soldiers would come back from um from war's shell shock before we fully understood ptsd and it was sort of this this psychological anomaly that you could have someone that was so traumatized by a single occurrence one single event like they watched their friend die right and that, that it was so traumatizing that it impacted every single day after that, that they like couldn't shake the trauma from this singular event that happened. And so they, they had this idea, well, what happens if we could do the opposite? Is it possible that you could have a singular event that is so overwhelmingly positive that it has the same positive residual effect moving forward? And MDMA was sort of introduced to the psych- psychology world, or rather discovered and researched on that premise. Um, so the idea was that you would you would do counseling sessions and i definitely believe that like certain experiences that i had uh, with mdma and also specifically with methylone in that that weird window of time they did have like lasting residual positive impacts
1: you know i would 100% say that for yeah. sure and it's interesting too the perspective shift that you get that you can have from certain things like that that can carry over from yeah like <clears throat> you know thinking when you're sober, like, I don't know, just carrying over some of those things that you learned. Like, you're obviously not going to be able to act exactly like you were on. But you remember that person you were. Yeah. 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 It's all the perspective shifts that I love about any drug, I feel like, that you can pull from when you, you know. Because I, I don't think I've ever, the I, I think the only, I guess if you consider marijuana a drug, that's really the only one that I've ever consistently Sure, taken, you know, or used, but all, you know, all these other ones, you know, you can like experiment with and, and pull a lot of positive things from them. I feel like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would love, I would love for you to do like a hard psychedelic trip at some point. That's one thing I've never done, never done psychedelics. Psychedelics. Um, yeah. They're, they're totally different. I don't think I'm a controlling person at all. At all. But I feel like that lack of control scares me a lot. I guess that's a very contradictory statement I just said, right? Not a controlling (laughs) person at all, but the lack of control scares me. (laughs) I don't know. Well, it's an extreme
0: lack of control. It's a new level of of no control, that's for sure. Um, It's also like there's an element of skill where like you, I don't know, something about like like a lot of drugs, you're still here. You know, like Coke is one, alcohol is one, MDMA is kind of one, where like you're still you, and your identity is, is not, right? You still have this baseline consciousness at some core level. You know your name is Joe, you feel like you, and it's just kind of this malleable top end of it gets shifted around a little, and that's what you enjoy. But psychedelics, like, oh man, it, it's deeply threatening to like your sense of identity. Right, like it, it, threatens like your own baseline of consciousness in a weird way. My favorite phrase, farthest from Sam Harris, it fucking unmakes you. It goes to whatever whatever makes you you, and it undoes it. Right, so it's it, there's a different level of fear sometimes with it.
1: But I mean, I I think I really feel like that's something that something new that I'm starting to see that I personally need to work on is letting go. Letting go of certain things, you know. Um and so I, I do agree. I think it would be good for me to to try to go, you know, take a couple of days off and just yeah, just go on a trip.
0: Yeah. It's uh yeah, maybe we'll do it do it at some point. It it yeah, I don't like I don't like doing them casually. I'm with you on taking a couple of days off, dedicating the time to it, treating it with a certain level of respect. Yeah, a respect and a seriousness, yeah. Have you ever heard that Terrence McKenna? um approach to pot in that when you smoke pot casually or daily just a little bit get a little high here a little hit there you know whatever that that's the wrong way to use it that basically super high dose edibles are like how we were supposed to do that really yeah where it's like i mean think think about eating like a huge dose of edibles and how similar that is to like a psychedelic experience right i mean it's it's not like taking a little toke off of a bowl or a joint. I mean, it's not like that at all. It's it's yeah. it's a drug experience, eating a huge amount of edibles. But yes, he's, his. I, I forget where he's written about this. But basically, that, that's what our relationship to pot is supposed to be, like intense psychedelic experiences that are not daily yeah. sort of
1: thing. It's interesting. Yeah. I've never had any intense psychedelic experience from weed. Have you ever had too many edibles? Mm, like, I, ever, I've never had ad- a good experience from edibles where I like... Really, like felt. Huh. I mean, I I feel like I've eaten a lot of edibles before too, but never really had this insane over experience. But like I was saying, you know, I'm my tolerance for things are pretty high. Yeah. And and, uh, equally, my tolerance for things are high. Equally, my uh, nervousness to try new things is very low. So I, whenever I try new things, like edibles or anything like that, I'll end up eating the lower side of what I probably should oh, I see when my tolerance saying. is probably really high. So I feel like it would take me multiple times to build up to the level that I... Gotcha. You know. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. And, and I feel like with, 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 uh, with marijuana, it's like... Or with weed just in general, it's... Uh, I don't know. It's like I, I'm smoking to get high then. And I feel like edibles, you have to eat, and then it kicks in like an hour. You're and signing then you're, up. You're signing up for the next eight or twelve hours of your life to yeah. kind of be. Yeah, it is. You're right. It's not.
0: It's not experiential as though like the act of smoking the bowl is the thing that we're doing. Yeah, you take it, and then you got to hang out and wait, wait for the experience to come.
1: Yeah, with it, it's different too. Yeah. It's a different high. It's not at all like like smoking weed. Which for me, it's just you know. I'm smoking to go to bed or, you know, if I'm working on music in the studio or anything like that, you know. We've talked Um, about this too as we've gotten older. You
0: end up using it more more tactically and not so much just as like starting the day, smoke a bowl, why not? Like you you know what I mean? As you get older you think about that more, but like why would I do that right now? Like
1: Yeah, and I personally just couldn't I guess I don't know, I, I I don't like just the thought of I don't know, I probably couldn't go teach after smoking yeah i you know like i never liked teaching and smoking i don't know it just make just makes me feel a little like not probably not the best thing to do yeah <laughs> a yeah. Wrong, you know
0: anything that involves talking you know for some reason i feel like it doesn't really help me it might give me more creative thoughts but i'm not as good at Saying them, yeah, right. Like it slows down my delivery of them. My vocabulary shrinks a little bit, even though the thought might be more <sighs> profound. Yeah, you know it. Um, yeah, I never, I could never smoke before like recording, talking stuff ever. Never smoked before this podcast, or yeah, almost any playing drums and playing music would different be, would be different. Different. Yeah, we've definitely smoked before shows way
1: way back in the day. That no problem. Speaking of back in the day, it's a great story. And okay. going back to meth alone, do you remember when we took? We both topped oh, yeah. one. Walking on stage to start the show. And we were and playing. And we guessed, like, what song you think it's going to hit.
0: <laughs> we said Wildfire, and we were right, right. Yeah, we
1: both looked at each other during the song we were playing. We're like, yep. We were like, oh, yeah. Yep, because it takes 20, 30 minutes
0: or something to You hit. remember
1: after the show when we were packing up, the band members, they were like, guys, we got to pack up because we are just sitting there talking just the whole talking. time about the show. Like, dude, that was so awesome. And you should flash the picture of I us with the robot. I on. <laughs> We this, were, like, so happy to find those robots. It was
0: some event. Well, I, I don't know what the event was. It was, like, a fundraiser thing at UCF <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, it was our, our college campus. And, uh, yeah, there was some robot costume dude, and there was a giant line of children. And we were just, one of us said, I think you said, you were like, hey, you want to go see that robot? Take a picture with the robot? And I was like, yes, I want to go see the robot. Like... <laughs> And we just fucking ran over, cut in line of all these people, didn't even like acknowledge <laughs> that there was a line.
1: And we were so confident, too. The people in line were like, no, man, we'll it's go okay. Go ahead. You got it. Sure. You guys look really excited to see these guys.
0: <laughs> More excited than my kid. <laughs> <laughs> and we just threw our arms around this robot like, yeah. Got our robot picture. We look so happy in that picture, too. Oh, dude. my God. That was so fun. Though, you know, it's funny. I remember that night was one of those. It was a weird... One of the first times I experienced this, it can happen with MDMA, too, where Uh you you have that rush of, like, all the euphoria vanishes instantly, right? Where you go from, like, this weird flow state into, like, like the energy gets sucked out of the room all of a sudden. And you're just instantly sober and, like, what am I doing here and why was all this funny? It's very
1: weird, Had like, that switch that goes off sometimes. For me, it's that... uh... As soon as I start thinking too much, I'm in that flow and I'm like just thinking about what's next and what's going on and what's happening. And then all of a sudden you think like, I'm having so much fun. This is going to end soon. You start (laughs) thinking like, this is, this might end soon. I'm going to have to go back to normal. And then you're like, you're back in reality. It's, yeah, it's very, very weird
0: how that works. And uh, what's weird though. I didn't do it that night, but somebody told me, like, listen, dude, if you just take more, that goes away. And I was like, no, like, I don't feel comfortable right now. Why <laughs> would I take more? Might not be
1: the best advice.
0: Yeah, but it but it works. It right? does work. I'm sure, it, it works. does work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's such a fascinating drug, man. Yeah, I'd love to do a full podcast on that, just to hash out some of these stories and different things, and you know. But
1: I will make the warning though that I'm a hundred percent glad that we quit. Finding it because it was a point where we just stopped being able to get it for a while. Yeah, just because I mean I, you love it a lot, and I'm very glad that we just couldn't find it anymore. It was and fortunate that life was just like, nope, you're done. You're done. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Because had we had complete access to that for you know the content foreseeable future, you know I don't, I don't know like I I have confidence in myself that I would have had control. Sure, same, same. It's not like
0: we messed our lives up in any way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was more or less so once a month, once, you know, every now and again thing for me. Sure. It wasn't, you know but I did. I I will always say that's like if you imagine you've worked for something your whole life. You know, you've like worked your ass off for something your whole life. Let's just let's for the sake of argument say, you know, music was your passion. You Work trying to be in a band your whole life, tw- you know, 10 years, and then all of a sudden you walk out on a stage in front of 10,000 people and you get to play your song in front of people. That mm. feeling that you feel, that yeah. that is what I yeah. would feel on that, yeah, that drug, you know, and yeah. it's it was the most amazing feeling I've ever had, yeah, and
0: it holds up to almost nothing else. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, so you know, I feel like loving something that much probably isn't a good thing. Um.
0: Yeah, it is a manipulation of your psychology. You're only supposed to feel that that way a few times in life. And it should be earned. Yes. And you don't earn it. You just take a pill. Yeah. 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 You're right. I mean, in hindsight, it probably is or rather it was for the best that that just disappeared completely. Um, (sighs) Yeah. there was that whole, well, I won't go fully into that story, but there was a reason why it disappeared having to do with a person who kind of got in trouble and then the connection got messed up and, but it ended, honestly, the friends group kind of broke up. That's what happened. There was some drama too tied in there where like people moved out and other people weren't friends and like that whole core sort of just evaporated. And in hindsight, it's like, yeah, man, that was long enough. That was, it was long enough of of a window. It's funny, man. Are there any drugs that you would love to try that you've just never had access to, or never, never seen, or known anyone that had it?
1: I mean, we're talking about psychedelics. Psychedelics, yeah. I You know, would eventually like to. You know, take the hurdle and. You know, go on like a mushroom trip. I don't know if I could ever take acid or. Uh, Longer. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I doubt I could. Ayahuasca would be interesting. Ayahuasca, um, just because yeah. it's natural, it's grown. Um, I feel yeah. like any. Would you say DMT is? is DMT is the main ingredient in think, ayahuasca. Okay, that's what that's the main ingredient. It's just so edible. It's natural?
0: It is natural. Well, DMT is in everything. It's like carbon, right? yeah. yeah, but it's also weird because ayahuasca is the the edible version of it, so it's a lot slower. Where when you think DMT smoking, it it is. It only
1: lasts a few minutes. right? It's a few
0: minutes, but it's it's very like you you know it's zero to 100 where ayahuasca is like the slow creep up it's a much longer experience um equally as intense but not as short so it's very drawn out and a lot of people <sighs> like the the slow incline as opposed to just like blasting off into the you other you side haven't universe. done dmt right i've done dmt pen before i've never cracked through on dmt which for those listening that don't know like like full ego death off of dmt um i've gotten a lot further into that fucking realm through other psychedelics than DMT. But the last time I did DMT, I hit, um, I had a pen and I had this, I had that, that doomy glow where like you're kind of half in half out. And I got, I felt like almost a warning about like, I wasn't respecting this enough. And it made me just want to be like, okay, not today. That's okay. You know, it felt like a like a spiritual warning of like, hey, bitch, do you yeah. know where you are? It was like, no, I don't. And I'm gonna step out now. Thanks thanks for your time. You know,
1: it's it scared me. It was very doomy. You're about a lot of people having the same experience on that. Going yes. out of body and like shooting off into the universe and meeting like yeah. some. Well, there's, yeah, people all over the world for, you know,
0: in theory, like hundreds of years. I mean, shit, Moses and the the acacia bush. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it depends on, on how back you want to go, but, like, there's there are weird similarities in that experience that a lot of people have a hard time quantifying. Like, you meet the same entities is what you would call them, um, like the little green aliens, you know, and then also um, the, like, the clockwork sort of theology that goes around it. So, like, there's there's a certain realm that you can get to where there are like ding-dongs of like a grandfather clock and like ticking, right? And there's certain colors and things that go along with that where people describe it as though they've all been to the same place that sounds like you're inside of a clock. And there's certain like humming and buzzes and this like collection of noises that everyone describes the same way. And so if you think that you are, that your consciousness is traveling somewhere, it would be like under this theory that you're traveling to a place that does exist because you can hit it from – different people can hit it from different parts of the world and come back with the same story. Whereas you could also say that it's just some manipulation of your neurology. We all have the similar
1: neurology. so. Isn't it um, – correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it like a chemical like right before you're going to die that, that it gets released into your – Yeah. So you have the pineal gland. That's in, what gives you that like – going to the light at the end of the tunnel feeling, or it makes you okay with...
0: Kind of, sort of. So it's like you have a pinella gland in your ma, in your brain, which is, it releases DMT, but it only seems to do it during birth and during death. So the theory would be that DMT is like the lubricant that escorts you Ooh. from wherever we came from to wherever we go. That's deep, like that's yeah. <laughs> it's like some it's crazy d- stuff. Yeah, and it's like, if it, there's also, I've heard some fascinating theories, Kelly and I talk about this with kids stuff sometimes, that like babies, part of the like, the magic of them is that they're fucking soaked in it. And they are chemically, it is true, that they have very high levels of DMT and we don't know why or what it's supposed to have been doing, like why the pinella gland releases it all at the time of birth or at the time of death. But it's something along the lines of like like a dimensional lubricant, right, that it brings you from wherever we came from to wherever we're going. And uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any definitive thoughts on any of this stuff. It's more just yeah. in the domain of like fun shit to talk about yeah. that we have no yeah. fucking clue but um, yeah, man, it's, it's wild shit. It, DMT though, it, it scares me because I value stability and I know fully how much that can rock your psyche. And like, I always, I, I'm interested in growth and learning But man, sometimes the thought of having a certain type of trip and what it would do to my psyche, I'm like, dude, I don't have time for that. I got shit to do in my life. Well, like
1: the first episode of this podcast, that whole mushroom trip. Like, I'm sure you don't want to have one of those, maybe once every year or two, right? Only every one or two years. Yeah, it's too much. You could take completely uh, restructuring the way you almost view huge issues in your life. Once a month, you know? Yeah. That would be too much. Too much. And too painful. Too yeah. painful.
0: You know, it's um yeah, it, it it hurts. So I mean growth always hurts, but sometimes it hurts so much that it's just like, Oh, I need some time, dude. I need some time. You know, also but also part of psychedelic experiences is unpacking, right? So you yeah. do need months after an, an experience to understand what it was, to think about it, retell the story, kind of work through some of the analogies and stuff that popped up. Um, you know, it, they're unique in that way. They come with, like, stories sometimes, and you don't fully understand what it meant when you had this vision of this thing, right? It, you, oftentimes yeah. you come back confused. Like, what in the fuck? It's like a dream. Like, I don't know what any of this means, and you have to discuss
1: it and think about it. Isn't that, like, a uh, a theory that, like, that's where, like uh, like, cavemen came around, came upon like mushrooms and that's how consciousness, like the, not cavemen, but like, theory. yeah, yeah, like they came upon mushrooms and ate mushrooms and for an extended period of time, that's what gave them. Sure. Well, it does enhance
0: creativity. It enhance. Okay. So one weird thing that it, that it definitely does do is mushrooms allow certain sectors of your brain to interact with each other on a neurological level that they otherwise do not. So like if you had this like wiring diagram of your mind where like this part of the brain kind of sort of communicates with here, that diagram gets like scrambled and certain parts of the brain are talking to parts of the brain that they're not supposed to communicate with necessarily. So it, incre- like it, it like complicates your neural pathways in a way that we don't understand. And so the thought would be something along the lines of like if monkeys found mushrooms, it would definitely like scramble their brain for a lack of better words and make it operate differently and it increases visual acuity it increases creativity it does a lot of things that would bring totally in theory an ape from an ape-like state to more of a human-like state Um, and it is just a theory I don't know that you'll ever be able yeah you
1: never but I think it's interesting theory
0: very interesting yeah it's pretty cool yeah it's fascinating man I, I don't know when we go like giant brain philosophy why we're here what are we any of those you know, unanswerable questions. I don't know where psychedelics fit in to that or how, but I'm convinced that they're involved. They're not, they're not like apathetic to it, or rather we shouldn't be apathetic to the idea that psychedelics have something to say about all of that. It's very tough to say exactly how they're involved and what role they play, but they absolutely have, part of the puzzle, one of the puzzle pieces is something to do with psychedelics and what they do to our mind. Um, and I don't know if that, that ties into like evolutionary stuff like we're talking about, or if it is a Jordan Peterson word, if psychedelics help us to understand the metaphorical substrate that is all of religion, right? That there's like, that we, we desperately need story and mythology and drama and literature and art to attempt to paint a picture of what this world is and what morality is what meaning is the origins of humanity that some of those categories that science really can't speak to that we do need story and mythology drama literature art that we need all of that because this metaphorical substrate is the best the best thing we could come up with to try and understand what all of this is And psychedelics seem to be a source of many of those stories, right? Like they they tell the stories to us in in a
1: weird way because we can't understand it any other way. You need a story, you know? I think that's cool. Speaking of Peterson, have you read his new book? I ordered it. Yeah. The uh, no, beyond order. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the 12, 12 more rules. 12 like. more. Thanks Peterson. <laughs> Still getting my, wrapping my head around the first 12. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah.
0: How did you get sucked into um, the wormhole that is him and all of his writings and teachings and stuff? Ah,
1: oh, man. Good question. Uh, I want to say like audible. Okay. Recommended it as the 12 12 his first book. Okay, just because I have a bunch of other books similar to it. Sure, but also my uncle was a big fan of him too. Oh okay, so, um, but yeah, and I'm sure little YouTube videos popped up, and it just kind of clicked. Oh, this is the same guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting guy. Love love a lot of his views.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's interesting. He's like the defender of religion while.
1: Simultaneously being I know, not it's very religious odd. at all. In really a way. odd, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember like thinking that, yeah, that this he probably I wouldn't say is against religion, but uh not a fundamentalist Christian. Yeah. Right? And then he came out with a whole podcast series about Bible stories where he just goes over Bible stories. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. super interesting though.
0: Yeah, it's it's I also love listening to those who completely oppose him, Sam Harris being like one of the more famous, you know, secular atheist people, you know, who is very much like someone who attacks religion and and has probably written some of the most credible and well thought out arguments against religion, right? I mean, that would be Sam Harris, the, uh, the moral landscape, his book is, is one of the most cohesive arguments for why secular reasoning, you know, um, is the way to go. But man, some of the debates that they've had and conversations that they've had, it is fascinating because picking a team is extremely difficult. You know, you're know, you really relying on the opinions of two people that are way more brilliant than you. And you can't actually fill in for either one of them. If yeah. I had to sit across from Sam Harris, I'm gonna get fucked up is what's gonna happen. I cannot argue with that guy. Yeah. You know, your upper PhD level psychology and philosophy. And same with Jordan Peterson. If I had to sit in Sam Harris's position and
1: argue for secular reasoning against Jordan Peterson, I lose. I lose that Does that not that kind debate? of fuck you up, though? Like, to think about, like, if you sat in front of one guy, he could probably make you believe yeah. one way. <laughs> and then if you sat in front of another guy, he could probably make you believe. Yeah. Like, I, it, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around that just because, oh, man, it, you know. It, you could be convinced either way depending on who you're talking to yeah it's
0: very very yeah you're right wrapping your head around that is tough I think for me you know I, I do enjoy this hybridized position that that weirdly Ben Shapiro has uh, Ben Shapiro's relatively extreme in a lot of his political views certainly uh, very very far far conservative and and he's, he's Jewish um, an orthodox Jew so that comes with a whole bunch of oddity, oddities to say the least but you know he he has this this view of like a hybridized approach where ultimately much how republicans and democrats are supposed to get married and it is the push and the pull of chaos and order yeah. that is where the the balance is found that something along the lines of like science and religion are supposed to get married
1: and there there is supposed to be a push and a pull of but that uh, that's where i've come i feel like to settle on is that I'm supposed to have that push in that pool, like yes, there are some people who spend their whole time their whole life in the push or in the pool, you know, Correct. and and they it's hard for them to even accept that there is another yeah side or that they're so. They're so I don't want to say and this is probably a bad word to use brainwashed but I mean, you know, you grow up they're so fundamentalist. It's this is the truth period. This is the truth no yeah. matter what. Yeah. Um never try to even examine the other the other, you know, side to it. Yeah. And then, you know, um but I feel like that's extremely healthy for everybody, you know, yeah. to just examine both sides and then what you feel is right, question that. You know? Yeah. Just try to put yourself in the other side and, you know, view what, what they might think is right and put yourself in their shoes, view both the push and the pull and kind of come to a happy medium that, yeah. and sometimes you might be in the full, you know, you might just on confirm, one side.
0: Yeah, confirm and, that what you thought was right the whole time. Maybe yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. I like the thought that like your opinion is only valid if you have explored the counter arguments. If you haven't then you really don't you, it's almost like you don't have a right to have the opinion just yet like opinions are or rather maybe belief is a better word like you have to earn your beliefs and yeah. and it's really painful sometimes cuz you might find out that your your innate or your natural belief is just bullshit or it wasn't even yours it was handed to you yeah. by by a book that you read or by parents, the tv
1: or your parents or the community you grew up in yep you know we both grew up in a small town yeah Small town. It's weird. I think I get a lot of this way, I think, from, you know, I grew up in a small town, Alabama. Yeah. Um. Well, Mississippi the, for the first 10 years, Alabama for the next eight, small town life. I'm sure you can guess what small town Alabama is yeah. all about, you know? Oh, yeah.
0: Um. A Christian subculture, very strong. Very it's red. Just, very know? red, you know, like, yep, yep. <laughs> not
1: trying to get into anything political or anything, sure. but you, that is small town Alabama, you yep. know, and it's... I mean, it's, you know, if you think any other way, you're not, I wouldn't say you're ostracized, but you're definitely... You're an odd duck. Exactly, (laughs) you know. Um, But then going from that to a liberal arts college in Orlando, Florida for two years, and then, you know, living here ever since, I get the complete other end of the spectrum. Sure. You know?
0: City life and city thinking.
1: Yeah. And it really kind of opens your eyes to, like... You know, I know we talked about this, and like I said, not to get political, but it does kind of tie into what we're talking about, is that how I feel like the electoral college is extremely fair instead of doing the popular vote, because sure. you grow up, certain certain areas of the country, you know, you grow up believing certain things because your friends and your family believe that, and you're mm-hmm. surrounded by people you believe, and that is just feel that is right to you, because everyone around you tells you it's right, and that is just what you believe, you yeah. know? Um, and so, uh, you know, for me to go from that to a completely, a liberal arts other end the of city, the spectrum, yeah. you know, it, it kind of opened my eyes to that, like, Whoa, there's a whole other side of the spectrum here. And there's a whole other group of people who, you know, believe completely opposite from what I came from sure. and believe just as heavy and convincing as the other side. Yeah. Ah, which one, you sure. know, like, and yeah. so you kind of have to. Pick and choose, and I feel like the last half of my twenties and thirties is kind of me starting to question everything and just dive into every side I can. Sure. And it, I feel like it sucks nowadays because people are getting uh, canceled. People are getting burned at the stake for just questioning certain things. Sure. For wanting to explore ideas and just explore
0: them and just talk about. Of course, of course, and you know. Yeah, this gets right into like the the freedom of speech sort of thing. You know, Amazon just this week has banned numerous books. You know, which is weirdly Orwellian. Doctor Seuss, right? Doctor Seuss, <laughs> but but yeah, not just them. I mean, there's other there's other you know people, and it's it's interesting because if there was, let's go to an extreme example, like like a white supremacist, right? Like someone who has dog shit values, corrupt philosophy, incorrect thinking across the board we would both agree that is wrong wrong you, if something's fucked up in here but you have an argument for why you think that's the way to live i want to read that book like i want to understand where you're coming from if if not for any other reason that it it it's going to give me an insight that allows me to more quickly debunk your dumbass idea yeah right yeah. i mean or just to understand what what happened to this person that led them to believe these crazy things but you have to have an open marketplace of ideas for that to be the case. You have to be able to speak freely.
1: Um, I think it's the reason why anybody would read Mein Kampf, Hitler's book, of right? Of course, of you know, course. Just to figure out like what fucked you up. that What much. happened here? <laughs> oh my God!
0: Exactly. Yeah. The 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 silencing of ideas is um, is a very very scary premise. Again, very Orwellian too. That that information should not be allowed to be exchanged for some reason. It's it's very weird. Um, and I mean, you know, all these big tech companies are, are, are guilty of this in some capacity. It's, it's very, very troubling to say the least. And we might not want to go all the way down that wormhole necessarily because, yeah. you know, thanks YouTube for hosting this fucking video. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, lo- love-hate, love-hate relationship. A lot of people I'm sure can empathize with that, man. It's, uh, it's, it's scary. But you know what, I've also, I've enjoyed doing this a lot. I feel like you, you've gone down a lot of these wormholes too. You know, when when you circle around politics, it's very, very easy to get into the weeds because if a big story comes out, something to do with Trump or COVID stuff or some current event, it's really easy to discuss things with that context. And those situations are nuanced. And like I said, you can get in the weeds on those. But it is really helpful sometimes to zoom out to political philosophy as like, well, what makes somebody conservative generally yeah. or a progressive generally and i think one of my favorite definitions that helped me understand this spectrum here is that there are times where it is appropriate to be progressive universally so because progress just implies that there there would be some sort of change to your society and so if we looked around and we saw all sorts of unbelievable things happening in our country and said, we don't like this, we need to change. Well, it's just time to be progressive. I would hope you and I would be progressive at certain points of time in, in yeah. history. Yeah. But then there are other times when progress can either, either be rooted in, and this word's a little tricky, but like misinformation, like it's misinformed, or you're trying to progress too quickly in a direction that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not rooted in healthy philosophy or, or appropriately discerned data right like progress you can't just progress into infinity and so there are times when you say hey what we have going on right now is actually pretty goddamn awesome it's time to be conservative you know so for example if 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 we're um if adoption is going very very well and then somebody says hey i think we should just ditch all the adoption standards and just start giving out kids to whoever wants them like well okay okay time to be conservative here and say, wait a minute, what we have going on, where these standards, maybe we should keep it that way and not progress any further. Maybe we nailed something here. Um, and in that case, I hope that you and I would both be very conservative, you know? So it's relative to like how you see your country, how you see your city, your environment. Um, and and I like that thought that you could align yourself in either direction. Depends on what you see, you know?
1: I think it's just this whole past year has been, I mean, I feel like it's just kind of gotten. Got yeah, rough. Yeah. Ch- way too water. crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: choppy water.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it like a year, uh, two days ago? It was the year anniversary of that first Florida uh, COVID patients. Yeah. First anniversary of them. Yeah. It's you know, crazy. I remember thinking like, uh, it'll be back to normal this summer. Yeah. Well, we heard two weeks to flatten the curve, right? That was that was initial and, yeah. <laughs> flatten the curve. Plus a year that. later. We're talking
0: about 2022 still wearing masks. Yeah, it's um, it has not been what anyone thought it would be necessarily. I don't
1: think it's affected your your life too much. Right. Being online.
0: Yeah. Very lucky. And that online stuff. My work days are very similar and I'm um, so introverted and not that social that um that yeah i mean it didn't change my social life very much necessarily all my friends that would come over like you or, or you know similar people that i know you know we would still hang out just fine so no it um it's interesting talking with people with different jobs though oh, because yeah. god it's so easy to find people that are just completely fucked mm-hmm. by this and it makes you grateful you know i'm sure you feel that way too right just the ability to not have your income stripped away completely
1: you yeah. know i mean i almost did better this year honestly yeah you know because students were at home more and yeah you know didn't have any music classes so parents wanted to put them in you know private virtual lessons because they sure. weren't getting banned every day in school you know or yeah like that so i ended up making more but yeah man it's it's sad a lot of small businesses are just done um my uncle you know he owns t-bone records in Hattiesburg, mississippi they're uh mm-hmm. Man, they're, they're a huge independent record store. Like, Park Ave CDs here knew them. Like, okay. Like, they're widely known through the southeast. That's awesome. Like, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's like a little cafe in there. It's like a record store. It's okay. very chill. Um really cool spot in Hattiesburg, if anybody's ever there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they said they had to get pretty much everything the government offered them to stay afloat. Wow. You know, um, all the, Man. what do they call them? The, the PP uh paycheck but what was it it was something where you PPE? like i think so or something like that where you they you think they the pay acronym? for the payroll for the for your employees or something gotcha gotcha um or i don't know just different small business loans that they had to get to stay, stay afloat, afloat. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah man it's it's you can just think of certain industries imagine if you and i had just for some reason opened a bar or a gym or a I don't know, you know, I mean, there's just so many examples of like, we we could have been completely screwed. You know, I had no fault of our own. And yep. it's interesting because I understand now the, the, the idea of a K-shaped recovery. So V-shaped recovery would, would be obvious where, you know, the stock market dips down, stock market just representation of economy here, but like dips down real low and then sort of goes right back up. But a K-shape is where it splits by industry. So certain uh. industries, right, seem to do very well and then others just fucking crumple so like cruise lines airlines anything in travel anything in entertainment anything in hospitality all of those have not recovered at all um and then other things i mean if you were in online finance like you good
1: bro you out here rolling in the money you know yeah i find it really cool though to see how certain businesses that probably shouldn't have made it have learned to adapt yeah you know like i remember you telling me about uh, nate in his job how he had to adapt and event management and they they pivoted to like live streaming events like the luxury live streaming event you know um i think that's cool i think that's awesome to see you know people adapt to different situations and figure out how to do it another way yeah to survive you know well yeah i mean maybe it's a good note to end on sort of like
0: the gratitude that you and i both share for being somewhere in the middle of that you know where music and arts is still able education of the music and arts is still able to like have some sort of platform to stand on with the internet uh, that people still value it enough and they have enough extra income to afford that kind of education and that we've got these you know because as much as I rely on tech for my income you do too now right like a lot of virtual lessons and stuff I mean that was what you had to do Mm -hmm. so just the fact that tech has come far enough you know and that we've got this this platform that we can sort of maintain education in the arts. You know, I'm really grateful for that because man,
1: two steps to the left and we would have been, you know, in very, very different boats, you know. I know, or even other sectors of our industry, like some of, you know, our friends that just play out live. Yeah. They're having to find that's other what funny I mean, jobs now. Two are. steps to the left if we were just gigging and not teaching. Yeah. 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 And you see people who are gigging now like coming out with or who used to gig, you know, coming out with uh online material sure you know like trying to break in you know it's rough. And, yeah you got a few years ahead of you before you break sure. through you know it's just it's uh and by then it'll be back to normal you can probably go gigging again <laughs> so it's you know oh uh, kind of sucks you just yep. gotta kind of work that uh nine to five for a little while until this till it passes yeah it just kind of sucks you know
0: yeah man well anybody out there we'd love to hear what position are you in that's a good one you know what. You know, do you feel lucky to have been in the position you were in when all this happened, or do you feel are very unlucky, right? But yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks for coming I on. I don't brother. ever
1: this like the Orlando Drummer podcast the other day was uh first podcast I've ever done. This is my second, so yeah it'd be cool to do this more often, just get used to it, you know. Um, oh for sure. Not a very big uh public speaker so it's a skill i would like to continue to improve
0: hell yeah man yeah it's always nice with friends too because it's yeah. not like this is our first conversation i'm sure those podcast episodes with like a new guest would be very yeah. awkward in a way that this isn't you know yeah because it's not like we haven't sat here for yeah <laughs> <laughs> dozens of hours talking already yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah all right brother i appreciate cool. it yeah appreciate it man. thanks for watching everybody see you in the next one